Welcome to Successful Parenting, where we, Jackie Rue and Robin Choquette, share practical skills for families to build resilience and healthy connections. As practicing professionals and parents ourselves, we hope this podcast is a resource for parents to grow, reflect, and learn more about themselves and their children. Our approach is simple, tangible, and most importantly, we lead with compassion for the integrity of the families we serve. This podcast should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for informational purposes only. We love our work and we can't wait to watch families gain confidence and open themselves up to new ways of successful parenting. Good morning, Robin. Hello. How are things going in Chicago today? They're going good. It's a little dreary. We have some rain and it's getting a little chillier, but it's good. I think full swing and some of what we're going to talk about today, you know, we've had many moms calling in and dads about um, wanting to get counseling around infertility Mm -hmm. issues, parents calling in, just struggling with their mood and how they're feeling after the baby's born, feeling like they're really just struggling. And I I talked to a a young mom yesterday who right away was just questioning, can I handle this? Can I handle this? I'm not a good mom if I'm feeling like this. And we talked about just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's reality. And a lot of times when we're experiencing, you know, sometimes depression or anxiety, we have thoughts that don't really reflect what's actually going on. So I had to really work with this mom on. It's not that she's not a good mom. It's that she's struggling with some depression and her baby was born two months ago. So, And then that flies into all of that shame, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You just hear all that shame, especially that I should this, I shouldn't that. You hear that, you know, like you said, two or three months, it can be later on and people continue to experience that. And even fathers will talk about that. So I think it is so interesting to talk about it as a family. I'm excited for our conversation today. Yes. And we have uh, Melissa Gonski on and she is our guest expert today. I've probably known her for over 15 years and yeah. she has a lot of different specialties, but one of her major specialties has been um, working with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, supporting families around infertility issues, around perinatal trauma around the loss of a child. And so I think she has been key in just making a difference for families in terms of how they navigate through some of these really difficult points of life. And if you've been there yourself, or if you know someone that's been there, you know how difficult it can be. And sometimes I have a friend that has lost a child and she said that, you know, she feels that other people really kind of backed off from her And I think sometimes it's because it is such a tender subject. Mm -hmm. So often we don't know how to talk about it. So I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. And welcome, Melissa. Yes, welcome. So happy you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here too. Yeah, I mean, with the three of us used to see each other every day. And now we no longer. No, it's good to be back. Yeah. (laughs) Melissa, tell us a little bit about kind of your work and your experience. What brought you to your interest in this field? Was it anything in particular? Yeah, there was a couple things. You know, I started out working with both of you in psychiatric hospital with a lot of kids and adolescents and families, especially. And then I got married and had kids of my own. And so my own personal experience with my firstborn really got me interested as already being a clinician and being pregnant. And I could feel right away when I was pregnant that something was off. I didn't really quite know what it was. And then subsequently had a traumatic birth experience. And that put me into postpartum depression and anxiety and some PTSD. And so just not even really 
learning about it in class, you know, throughout my college education and grad school and just not understanding what was going on. And once someone told me, I felt so much relief. And so getting help, and I just don't want anyone else to go through that where they don't know and they feel hopeless and helpless. So that's a really big passion of mine to make sure that moms and dads feel supported. That is interesting what you said. And I think it's so true of so many people don't understand. And when it's then explained, it's almost normalized in a way that it makes it, oh, okay, so I'm not imagining this is really what's going on. Can you talk a little bit and help us understand about the field that you work in? Yeah, of course. So perinatal, most people are familiar with postpartum. Mm -hmm. And now they they kind of changed it to perinatal so that it includes the pregnancy stage as well as after you have the baby. And a lot can go on. So it's one in five births. The moms have postpartum depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, or psychosis. So it's not just depression. One in five. So that's 20%. Yeah, it's the most complicated birth. So most people don't realize that. And also it's one in 10 of the dads. So dads get missed a lot, but they can also have postpartum depression, anxiety as well. And that includes people who give birth and then also adopt infertility. All parents are included in those statistics. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot more common than people think. I think it's great that we've had some famous people shed light. Kristen Bell is a big person who's given a lot of attention to postpartum depression and anxiety, which is great to help normalize it. A lot of it can be seen after the birth. A lot of moms will say they literally felt it come on. That can be true because that can be hormonal shifts that we experience. You know, we get a lot of rush of hormones during the pregnancy, but right after birth and then 12 weeks after there's another drop. And so you see a lot of cases and people struggling around those times. That 12 weeks also coincides with when we expect moms, if they're working, to go back to work, which causes a lot of stress. That combination, unfortunately, in this country that we don't get a lot of maternity leave. So that puts another stressor. But I always tell people, if you think about it, you know, if you've been a parent, I know both of you are parents. When you have a newborn, you're not sleeping, at least not well. Right. (laughs) So you know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. I always, you know, tell parents that it's a struggle. So you're not sleeping. If you were anything like me, you had no idea that it was this hard to have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody tells you that part, I think, in the baby classes. I wish they were a little more honest. It's a lot of hard work. And I think the biggest thing that I'd want parents to hear is that most people are focused on the baby, not the parents. So even if you have a, a birth trauma or traumatic birth or If you're struggling, most people are like, well, you're good because your baby's healthy. So be grateful for that. Yeah. And they get kind of dismissed. Yeah. So not validating. So not understanding. There's where you see that shame, right? Mm -hmm. Your baby's healthy. You know, everything's fine. Just back up. This is what it is. Mentality. Yeah. What do you see with the emotional aspects of coping the crisis around pregnancy and parenting and perinatal trauma? What do you see going on there? I think a lot of it is we are an independent culture. And so Mm -hmm. we're more separated probably than we ever have been and more isolated. And that's not a great combination when you need help with a baby. So I see a lot of like trying to do it all on their own comparing themselves to the Instagram moms that are taking pictures, you know, when most of us are just glad that we maybe brushed our hair and remember to put both (laughs) both shoes on our feet. (laughs) We're definitely not the Instagram mom, right? But that shame and just seeing other people, a lot of times I hear like the comparison, well, it seems like they have it together. 
I mean, I see them at drop off at daycare, or I see them at the park, and they all look happy. What's wrong with me? I must not be a good mom or dad. So there's a lot of fear and comparison. Yeah, so true, right? And I think just with everything, like you look at social media, and you're like, gosh, everyone's just got it so together. And they're so beautiful. And they're wearing the right outfit. And I think you think about just our kids are growing up in that culture, especially when you're dealing with difficult topics like this one, it can even seem more isolating, the more you know, if you've lost a child or are struggling to have a child, and then all you're seeing on the social media is, you know, all these people with children and getting pregnant, it is very, I think, isolating. And I know many families are dealing with infertility. What guidance would you give for listeners dealing with infertility issues and, and just any kind of tips on how to navigate that process? Yeah, I think this is a really important topic because I don't think it's talked about enough. I think for infertility is to get support, whether that's counseling or support group or people that have been through it. A lot of people that I work with, they want to keep it a secret. They don't want to share with everyone like we're going through this right now. Part of it, I definitely understand. It's because they don't want to keep getting questions like, oh, did it work this time? Oh, are you pregnant now? Yeah. You know, they don't want to answer that all the time. So then they become more kind of isolative about the process. It's just really important to have people who have been through it or a therapist who can help support you along the way and normalize like feeling scared or anxious or disappointed or really it can be traumatizing as well all of it that goes into all the tests and prodding your body and shots and just all the details and what you go through i think it's also important to involve the partner you know if you have a partner that's with you because i see a lot of resentment grow for the birthing person who's getting their infertility treatments their body is going through all of it and so to really be honest with the partner if you are feeling resentful or angry and frustrated, to not hold it in and to express it in a healthy way so that they can know what you're going through too. Keep the conversation going and, and just sharing each other's experience and not in a comparison way, but this is just what's happening. Is that really what you're talking about there? Yeah, to be honest about how it's hard and to pick the people you feel safe talking to about it, but not to hold it all in. You don't have to carry the burden of all of it physically, emotionally, mentally. It's a lot to go through. It can be really hard. A lot of the people that I work with describe it as, you know, if they've had a miscarriage before this, and then now they're doing infertility because of that, they feel like things have been robbed from them that maybe other people don't think about. So like the excitement of seeing a positive pregnancy test, that's not always exciting for someone going through infertility. It doesn't equal a healthy baby necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of always on edge. Like when's the other shoe going to drop? And so to have support with counseling and loved ones, so they don't have to bear that alone. Yeah. So it sounds like you would consider, would you consider infertility to be traumatic for some? Yeah, for some people, especially those reasons of why they have to get infertility treatment in the first place kind of lends itself to say there has probably been some kind of trauma before that happens. And feeling so vulnerable, you know, it's expensive and time consuming and a lot of women talk about it feeling like it takes over their life. Their thoughts about, is this going to work? If it doesn't, then what else do I have to do? Feeling overwhelmed by the whole process. Yeah, and the clients that I've worked with, it's, did I do something? Did I not do something? They're always questioning what they're doing and feeling all of that. I apologize, my throat's kind of scratchy here. I get what you're saying. It's always kind of analyzing it. And often it comes up that they're really critical of themselves. A lot of women. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of women are mad at their body and mm -hmm. feeling like they're a failure because what does society tell us, right? 
you should get married and have babies and it's really easy and it's no big deal. And then all those stories and narratives that we've fed into women and then people who struggle, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? What did you do? Did you drink too much coffee? Did you, you know, there's all these like, what ifs, what if I did this wrong? What if I did that wrong? They take a lot of blame for not being able to get pregnant. The women I see. Right. And and because people are always ready to give advice. Right. And then we all remember that when we were walking around pregnant, everyone had a piece of advice to give you or a suggestion or a thought. Yeah. Those span over generations, <laughs> you know, yes. the 40 years ago, someone was pregnant and now they're giving advice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We get a lot of questions from our families, Melissa, about resources and looking for resources for those families. Where can people find good, reliable sources and support? Because this can be so terrifying for the families. And I'm sure all three of us have joined some Facebook groups. And within 15 minutes, you know, okay, this is not the group for me. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. is not my support, people. Where do you find those great supports and resources do you recommend for families when they're faced with these? Mm -hmm. An incredible resource is Postpartum Support International. And we can link the website too in the show notes, but you know, they're really the leader in research and support helping families. They offer free support groups. They're grouped by therapists. So they're run by therapists that are volunteer. And so you can go on there and there's also a directory of therapists that you can search by zip code and it will show you. Some have gone through a certification program. So I'm certified in perinatal mental health. And so that would be a way to distinguish they've had extra training. There's a lot. There's definitely no need to suffer alone. They have a lot of wonderful resources there. And I know you work with families too, just across the spectrum. And I know it's got to be just such a hard topic for families to talk about, you know, having a premature baby or even surviving the death of a child or a pregnancy loss. I want to talk about some resources there too. And what would be, you know, we talk about pregnancy loss, what's included in that? Yeah, really passionate about this as well. I think it's a, a really important topic that needs light shed on it more. Miscarriage, talked with many of my clients about this. I think we should rename that to something else that feels like it's a loss, like to categorize it as a loss. Miscarriage kind of implies that the mom miscarried the baby. And so sometimes they feel like that is their fault, or it's not that big of a deal, get pregnant again, just keep trying. And so it gets skipped over a lot. And it's really important to take time and whatever you need to heal is okay. That's a loss. Obviously, premature babies in the NICU, there's a lot of trauma associated with that. When you think about trauma, right, it can affect your whole body. When you're sitting there with your baby in the NICU, whether or not you can hold your baby and there's all these noises going on and you're around other babies that are really sick, it can really affect parents. And there's a lot of a lot of loss that they're grieving, like wanting to bring their baby home from the hospital and having to go home by themselves and come back to the hospital. So there's a lot of layers of trauma and loss, and it's all real and valid. Well, and I think for so many, just starting to know there are resources out there for so many, there hasn't always been resources. In some ways, this is a newer thing, because I think it hasn't been talked about as much. And I I think in certain parts of the country, there is not as many resources, just having different options. And I am so glad about virtual counseling now too. So many can get access to support that maybe they couldn't prior. You and I have talked about families that have an abortion, you know, that can be traumatic and that's still a loss and just all the different feelings that go around with that too, right? Yeah, exactly. And we're 
you know, located in Illinois, we're very blessed and overwhelmed with the level of support that's here. There's a few more supports. There's a warm moms line that you can call anytime 24 seven and a licensed therapist will answer if you're struggling. And so that's available. There's a fussy baby network. It's a very low cost and people will come and check and see how your baby's doing at your home. If you feel like the baby's colic or you're struggling with what's going on and they'll assess the baby to see if there's anything that usually puts mom's mind at ease just to kind of have some answers. And then, yeah, there's tons of support on PSI's website for support groups, as well as there's coordinators for areas. So if, like you mentioned, Jackie, some places don't have as much support, but there are coordinators that volunteer their time that if you call them, they will help find you a therapist in your area. That's awesome. Yeah, good, good. We will definitely put that in the episode notes that link. Well, we have also outside of the United States, um, a lot of listeners. So yeah, being able to coordinate and find those resources, I think is so important for everyone. Mm-hmm. And they do have coordinators internationally too, in other oh, countries. Perfect, perfect, mm-hmm. perfect, perfect. So Melissa, are there any final thoughts or words of comfort that you want to share with our listeners and for families out there as we're kind of winding down our episode today? Of course. I think the biggest piece is to have hope that it can get better, that you're not a bad parent. We're all just doing the best that we can. And if you feel like things are overwhelming or too much, there's people out there that are willing to help you and it can get better. Just ask. And I think that's the hardest part, right? Is they ask. Mm -hmm. Well, unless we have anything else, I think we're ready to ask our three questions. What do you think, Jackie? Do you have anything else? No, this is good. And I think this is a conversation we probably need to continue. We're touching on like the foundation, but there's so many layers to this conversation that I think while difficult to discuss, it's important. Because even in a future episode, I'd love to know as a friend, how do you support someone going through it, right? Because I think just to be honest, I haven't gone through these things personally, but I've had friends that have, that have had miscarriages or lost children or abortions. And I don't always know what to say and not to say, especially Melissa, you know, when like baby showers come up and celebrations for children. And I know a friend dealing with this, sometimes it's hard to know what to say. So I'd love to do a future episode on kind of words and what's to say and what's helpful. It's not because I think what happens is people walk on eggshells and then they void and they take a step back and that causes more isolation for the individual and the family. Yeah. And I would love to help in any way with that because I do think there's really important ways you can help someone. The biggest thing I think I hear from people is they feel like if they've lost a baby or if they're having you know, infertility issues that people, they have to comfort the other people Yes, yeah. instead of people being there for them, which I understand it's, it's a loss and people feel strongly and empathize, but also we want to support the people going through it too. So I'd be happy to help in any way with that episode. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, let's talk about the three questions. Now you can choose to answer one, you can answer two, or you can answer all three. It's really your choice. Here we go. Number one, what did you do as a child or a teenager that would drive your parents crazy. <laughs> Number two, what is the biggest difference between children and teenagers today versus when you were growing up? 
And number three, what does successful parenting mean to you? Melissa, what do you think? Do you want to answer one, two, or all three? You get to decide. Take it away. All right. I'll do all three. I would say as a teenager and a kid, how I drove my parents crazy. I think I was consistent throughout my life of of being pretty stubborn. Or another way to say it is persistent. (laughs) I think I might have been born that way. So that would drive them crazy as to if they said no. I was pretty creative on how to get them to say yes. So whether that was to do some extracurricular activities or, you know, hang out with friends later than they thought, not accepting no (laughs) would drive them nuts. Yes. It's taken you far, but at times I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. And I really wanted to answer number two in a positive way. You know what the difference is between kids way back when I was a kid versus now. I think we hear a lot of negative stuff, but I, you know what? I love this generation. I have kids myself. And what I find from them is that they are really in tune with people and they're assertive and assertive in a way that's healthy in that they know what they want and they ask for it. And I just love that about the kids right now. I Mm -hmm. think it's great to see and I think they're going to change the world. I agree. You know, I have those millennial kids. And when people talk about millennials in a negative way, I want to go, but that's not all so true. There's some really positive things about millennials. And I think it's true in what you're saying of, you know, younger kids today, you're right, they're able to ask things that we never did, or my kids never did just wasn't done. And I love that they seem to have more of a voice. I agree. I like that. Yeah. And the last one, I think, That's probably the hardest question to answer. And so I wanted to take it on just to challenge myself to answer it. I think as far as successful parenting, I think it's different in every household. I don't think there's one one answer for everybody. And so it has to go based on who the parents are and who the kids are and doing the best for that family. And that, you know, the parents are genuinely loving and and seeking to learn more and being curious. Yeah. Well, this is awesome, Melissa. I I so appreciate the work you're doing. And I was excited to have you on. Like I said, you know, this topic, when it does get discussed, you realize how many families are dealing with it. You don't really know because people don't necessarily share this information always. And I had a friend that was struggling with infertility. And he said, it's amazing after you get married, how people just start asking you, when are you going to have children? Or are you guys going to have children? Mm -hmm. And it's nobody thinks about that when they're asking, right? And he said, he would just blatantly say to people, we've been trying, we can't, we have infertility issues and kind of put it, like he said something very, you know, out there because he felt like people need to understand that that's not something that you should just be asking people. Absolutely. Letting tell you. So it was interesting to hear his perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so natural. People ask him, they're not ill-intentioned. They're not trying to harm people, right. but just to be more aware of what you're asking people instead of inviting them to share what they want and what they're comfortable with. So true, all the assumptions that get made. Well, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. In our notes, please look at those links that Melissa's talked about. We'll share all of that and her contact information. Don't forget, if you're in that Spotify app, you get to share with us, what does successful parenting mean to you? We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. And we hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Melissa. Thanks again. Bye. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Bye, Jackie. Bye. Thank you for joining us. And make sure to subscribe and like us to catch our next episode, where we will take you on a journey to find new ways of successful parenting.